2 Timothy chapter 3. We'll be there in a minute. Uh, we're going to be there. We, 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 uh, we may never get there, but um, I, think, I think we will. Um, <clears throat> but I want to start out tonight by asking a question. And I believe I know the answer to this question. <clears throat> but I want us as a group to talk about it because it is a very real scenario that uh, if you have not in, encountered it as a believer of Jesus Christ, you will encounter it. Um, so, are you ready for the question? Okay, the question is this. At the very beginning, yeah. Yeah. Um, can someone make someone else believe the Bible? Now, let me, before you, before you say anything, I have had, in the last 12 years of being a pastor, I have had countless people come up and say, how can I make a loved one, a friend, uh, you fill in the blank, believe the Bible so that they can be saved. Okay. So, how do you answer that question? Brandon? Okay. 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 Yep. Okay. Okay. You pray for them. Okay. So the. So. Okay. Okay. See, and there. there okay. That's a. That's a, a very legitimate point. Is God has given each of us a free will to choose. Some will believe, and some will not. Uh, it, it, it sounds kind of cold and calculating, but it really is that simple. Um, but can you, um, how many of you have heard the analogy, um, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink? Now, is that true? No, it's not. Give them salt. Okay, you can you can take a war, horse to water, and you cannot grab his head and force him down to drink. It'd be fun to watch, but you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, but you give you put a little bit of salt in your hand. Give it to that horse. What's that horse going to do? That horse going to lick up that salt. And then what's he going to do? He's going to drink. So let me go back to the question. Can you make somebody believe the Bible that doesn't want to believe the Bible? And I believe the answer to that lies in what Brandon said. When you live it, what are you going to, we are the salt of the earth, are we not? When we live the word, 
then the saltness from our lives should cause others to drink the water, if you would. So what's the answer to the question? No, you can't. <laughs> okay? You cannot make somebody believe. You can't. But you can live your life in such a way that they have a desire to. So, I, I told you when we started this that I was going to read you articles and just different things that I come across that I find interesting that <clears throat> should help with the different subjects that we're going to be covering right now. Obviously, we're covering the Word of God or the Bible. Um, I came across an interesting article I thought I'd share with you. Um, the scientific and historical accuracy of the Bible is important evidence of the Bible's trustworthiness. Now, if you have somebody who is searching for truth, but doesn't quite grasp the fact that the Bible is the Word of God, some of these things I'm going to be reading here, uh, you can use in their lives to, to help them understand the validity of the Word of God. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's the purpose of me reading this for you tonight. But the Bible also, contain, uh, also contains fulfilled prophecies. Some of the uh, biblical writers made claims about future events centuries in advance. If any one event preceded uh, had occurred, it would have been astounding. But the Bible contains many, many prophecies. Some of the prophecies were fulfilled in a short amount of time. Abraham and Sarah had a son. Peter denied Jesus three times. Uh, Paul was uh, a witness uh, for Jesus in Rome, and, and, and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, our predict, or excuse me, other predictions were fulfilled hundreds of years later. And, and get this, in the Old Testament, there are over 300 messianic prophecies. I didn't know that. I knew there were, I knew there were a lot. I, I didn't realize there was over 300. One, one article I read, um, uh, the, the author identified 365 uh, messianic prophecies. And the first thing I thought was, wow, that's one for each day of the week, or, or each day of the year. Uh, anyway, um, uh, 300 Messianic prophecies fulfilled by Jesus could not have reasonably been fulfilled by one person unless a greater power was involved. And we'll, we're going to talk about that more in a little bit. I have a, another article I'm going to read you. Um, uh, specific prophecies like Jesus' birth uh, activities, manners, death, resurrection, uh, demonstration of um, uh, 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 demonstrates the um, the accuracy of Scripture. <clears throat> when it is put to the test, the Bible proves 
uh, 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 excuse me, the Bible is proved true in every area. It is true, uh, its truth extends to spiritual as well as physical. That means when the Bible says the Hittite nation existed, then we can believe that there were Hittites. And when the Bible teaches us that all have sinned in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, and that the wages of sin is death, then we need to believe that also. Now, let me say this. Uh, this is not part of the article, but <clears throat> what happened was he brings up the Hittites. Have you ever heard of the Hittites in the Bible? Okay. For years, historians one of the claims that they had that the Bible was not accurate was that there was no archaeological proof of the Hittites. Now, I'd have to go back and do some research, but I want to say in the 30s sometime, they found proof of the Hittites in an archaeological dig. And, you know, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, sorry about that. See... Archaeology does not prove the Bible to be right. The Bible proves archaeology to be right. Okay? And, and, and just because they didn't know there were actually Hittites, I would have no trouble believing that there was a, a people group called the Hittites. And because we can believe that, we can believe that we have all sinned and that the wages of sin is death. And when the Bible tells us that God demonstrates His own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5.8, and that whosoever believes in Jesus should not perish but have everlasting life, John 3.16, then we can also believe that as well. I've got another article for you. This, this one is one, I, I like numbers. I, numbers help me put things in perspective. <clears throat> was Jesus of the Bible who he claimed he was? Was he really the Son of God? Was he the Messiah is the question. Again, uh, there were over 300 prophecies listed in, in, in the Old Testament uh, directly to Jesus as being the Messiah. Here is an example of a few of the, of the prophecies in the Old Testament um, that Jesus fulfilled in prophecy. Uh, the timeline of his birth in Daniel chapters 8 and 9, um, that he would be born in Bethlehem in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, that he would be born of a virgin, Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, that he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, <clears throat> Zechariah um, 11, 12, that he would be mocked, Psalm chapter 22, verses 7 and 8, that he would be crucified, John chapter 3 and verse 14 is the fulfillment of that, um, that he would uh, be pierced, Psalm chapter 22, verse 6. 
that he would die with the wicked, but he would be buried with the rich. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 9. So there's eight prophecies. Now, a mathematical and astronomy professor named William W. Stoner has made this statement. That the chances of just eight prophecies, eight prophecies, well, it'd be easier to do that. <clears throat> the chances of a single person fulfilling eight prophecies is one in one ten or, or one. <clears throat> let me say one in ten to the seventeenth power. So in other words, that is a one with 17 zeros behind it. I don't even know if that's even a number. <laughs> okay? That's, that's just eight prophecies. And Jesus fulfilled over 300. That would be equivalent to covering the entire state of Texas with silver dollars two feet deep and then expecting a blindfolded man to walk across the state and on the very first try to find one coin you marked before covering the entire state. That's, that is the, the equivalence to fulfilling one man, fulfilling eight prophecies. Then he goes on. If you were to add eight more to, to so you, you, now we're talking about 16 prophecies. I'll, I'll save you all the mumbo-jumbo. It is one in 10 to the 45th power. That means that's one and 45 zeros to fulfilling 16. Jesus fulfilled over 300. The book that we possess is the Word of God. There's, there's no question about that. But we cannot make someone believe it. I've heard a lot of people make statements to the effect of, <clears throat> well, it's easier for, you know, for uh, somebody to believe the Bible than to believe that we all came from apes and blah, 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 blah. It, you know, I'm not going to get into that because I, 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 don't, I, I, I just don't want to go down that road. The reality is this. The Word of God is what changes lives. Because it is the Word of God. And, and we can argue and debate and do all of these things, 
um, many of you, I don't know, um, there's a guy out there named Ken Ham. Uh, I don't know a lot about him, but I do know that he's big into um, creation and, and, and so on and so forth. And, and yeah, he's the, he's the head of Answers in Genesis and, and so on and so forth. Does, a, does an incredible work for the Lord, and, and I'm not cutting him down. But he will get on a stage with an atheist and debate evolution. What's the point? You're not going to convince him, and, and he's not going to convince you. You know what? I'd rather just go tell somebody about Jesus. I just, I don't argue about stuff like that. You know what? If, if somebody wants to know truth, I would, I, I would love to sit down and talk truth. But I don't argue. So let me encourage you. If, if you want somebody to believe the Bible, live it. That's the best way to get somebody to believe the Bible. Just live it. Amen. So, any questions before we get get going in our in our in our book here? No questions, no comments. I I, I my hope is that, like I said, every subject that we're going to cover, I want every week I want to give you a little bit of extra stuff that I think will hopefully be a help to you. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Um, I do truly believe. I have to ask you because I'm. I don't know if it's my age or, or what, but it's like my my days or, or my life is numbered. It seems. We all are, we all are. I've learned from you and the folks in this room in just the short time I've been coming here that, yeah, you have to talk to the true number one and go face to face with him. Right. I'm looking for forgiveness, I think. I, have, I don't think we all have done something in our lives. And I, I have to I. Okay, let let Okay, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Do you believe that this book is the word of God? Yes. Okay. Do you believe that every word in this book is true? Yes. Okay. So, in 1 John chapter 1 in verse 9, the Bible says, "If we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, if that is true, then when we ask, he forgives. Period. There's no condition, there's no condition... There's no, you don't have to go out and do 15 Hail Marys and for our fathers or whatever they call those. I don't know what they, I'm just repeating what I've heard. I don't know. I've never been to a Catholic church. Um, There's nothing. You ask, he forgives. It's that simple. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Sunday night. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. Yes, ma'am. If you're going to cover this and stop me before they keep going, to to say to an unsaved person and they're challenging the Bible and they use Bible words to convince them, is that sort of called circular reasoning? Not necessarily. Not their generalization. Well, I still, I will still, as often as I can, use Scripture. Do you know why? Okay, Jesus used scripture. Brandon? Okay, well, well, yeah, they, yeah, okay. Now that's our, that would be our reasoning. But there's a biblical principle here. There you go. Okay, God's word will never return void. They can reject it. But every time you plant the seed, see, 
we talked about it in church this morning. What, what did Paul say? I planted, Paulus watered, but God gave the increase. You can't have increase if it's never been planted and watered. Well, no, you can you can try and rationalize, but as much as much scripture as you can give them, the better off you're you're going to be. Yes, ma'am. That's right. Yeah, and, and, and there, and, yes, yeah, and, and scripture is true. So even though they would say, well, I don't believe that, you have still given them truth. Okay, yeah, thank you, Jason. <clears throat> but yeah, that, there, there you go. So, so there is biblical precedence, if you would, for sharing as much gospel as you can. Right. It, it's it, exactly, exactly. Anybody else? Right. Right. That's all we can do. That's all we can do. That's it. Okay. Anything else? Okay. I I I was. I didn't lie to you. I I I I jumped the gun a little bit. So. Put a marker, something there where I told you to turn at the beginning uh, in Second Timothy, because we're going to come back to it. Uh, but then turn over to Second Peter, uh, chapter one. Uh, we're going to be uh, on page five of our notes at the uh, the bottom of page five. I, I I messed up, Chris. The the bottom of page five. You'll see the. Passage there, Second Peter chapter one, verse nineteen to twenty-one. So let's go ahead and read. <coughs> uh, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, where <coughs> wherein too you do well uh, that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in darkness until the day dawn and the day star. Arise in our, in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture uh, is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So we left off uh, the next blank I gave you, um, <clears throat> and that is the word written, right? Those of you that were here last week. Um, 
Um, uh, in this passage, the, the Apostle Peter, uh, who saw Jesus in his glorified state, explained that the Word of God is a more sure word of prophecy. In other words, uh, by having God's revelation of himself written uh, for us uh, is in black and white, we know it is true and we can depend on it. So uh, that's where we left off last week. Uh, so on the next page, page six, he says, let's break down, <clears throat> let's break these verse, this verse down. Um, that's why I wanted to go back and reread that verse. Uh, so as we, as we progress through this, the Bible does not originate with humans. Okay. It is important that you get that. I cannot tell you how many times I have heard over the last 40 years of being saved. Well, that Bible, that's just a book of old wise tales that was passed to people around campfires and tradition and blah, 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 blah. No, that is not how the Bible was written. It was written by the Holy Spirit. It did. It came not by the will of men. Okay? Your next blank. Men of God recorded the words of the Bible. Holy men of God spake. As God enlightened, illumined, however you want to put it, into the hearts of men, they then wrote the words that were spoke, spoke to them. God is the author of the Bible. Now, let me say this. <clears throat> How many times have you heard me say, or any other preacher say, that, well, when Paul wrote this, blah, 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 blah. Okay? We can have the tendency to misunderstand that God used the personalities of people to accomplish his work. One of the ways that theologians have identified certain Bible or certain uh, books of the Bible as being authentic is by the, uh, the, the, um, no, the, the pattern that the authors use. Like a guy like Paul, who is very educated, is going to use a lot of really big words. Okay? One of the books that has always been in, in conflict with theologians, which, again, I don't argue about this stuff, is the book of Hebrews. There are some very liberal theologians that believe that Hebrews was not written by Paul. But most conservatives do because... The language used in the book of Hebrews is consistent with the language that Paul used in other books that we can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt. So, <clears throat> even though every word is given by God, God used men's personalities to write the books. Does that make sense? Because Luke, you know, the, the Gospels, the four Gospels, each one of them repeat multiple stories, 
but they're all written a little different, right? Doesn't make them wrong, it just makes them different. And God used personalities to reach different people groups. Like Paul's writings um, were, were really more to the intellectuals. Where James on the other side, to me, James is always a little bit more down to earth. Well, he was a carmer's son. You know, so, so you can see the different personalities within Scripture, but at the same time, they're all authored by the same author. Does that make sense? Okay. <clears throat> so, next blank. <laughs> God is the author of the Bible. Uh, as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> so, it's important that we get this. The, the Bible word uh, <clears throat> for this process is called inspiration. Okay? Uh, it's, it's really important. Now, let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter 3 in verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. It is through inspiration. So, <clears throat> let's talk about inspiration for a little bit. That's what this next section is. What is inspiration? So, what Bible inspiration is not? You know, one of the one of the um, one of the unfortunate parts about being human is we actually learn better from the negative than the positive. Does, does that make sense? You, you know, um, how, 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 do you, how do you generally teach a child not to do something? Spank them, you know, whatever. You discipline them, right? It's the negative that teaches better. So, we're going we're gonna to start with what, ins, what Bible inspiration is not, okay? Uh, sometimes we use the word inspiration to refer to an idea or a motive to do something creative, artistic. For instance, we would say uh, Michelangelo was inspired to paint the ceiling at the Sistine Chapel or Shakespeare um, was inspired uh, as he wrote Romeo and Juliet. That is not biblical inspiration okay so what is your next blank what bible inspiration is <clears throat> and if you were a clinton fan what it, what is what is uh, what, what did he say uh bill clinton it depends how what what is is isn't that what he said something anyway i don't know um <clears throat> yeah <laughs> um <laughs> okay, um, Okay. so there is another definition of inspiration that we uh, don't use often. It is the drawing of air into one's lungs or inhaling. Inspiration. You get it? Okay. Uh, this 
is the inspiration spoken of in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. The phrase given by inspiration of God literally means God breathed. Yes. Huh? Yes. In other words, God breathed the word the words uh, of the Bible to human penmen who wrote them down. You get it? Inspiration. <clears throat> because these two truths, revelation and inspiration, the Bible is literally the Word of God. It is God's Word to us. And praise God for that. Praise God for that. Jesus himself specifically stated that the Word of God was divinely inspired. <clears throat> well, turn over to Matthew chapter 4. But he answered and said, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You get it? God breathed. Inspiration. <clears throat> the Bible is the most amazing book of all times. Okay, we're going to kind of go through these next blanks here a little quick. Um, God used more than 40 uh, different men uh, from a variety of backgrounds over a time span of 1,500 years to record each word. That to me is pretty cool. And... <clears throat> the fact that he used 40 men or, or people, 40 different people over a period of 1,500 years. So, so, that, so let me say this. So that means that some of the authors of some of the books were contemporaries, but most of them were not. And the Bible agrees from front to back. I think he covers this here in a minute. Um, okay, next blank here. Um, <clears throat> the writing took place on three different uh, continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe, and in three different languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. <clears throat> so, yet, yeah, this is, I, I, I thought he covered this. Um, yet, the entire book completely agrees and has been validated time uh, and again, by history, archaeology, and science. If you ask 10 contemporary authors to individually write their viewpoint on just one controversial subject, you would come up with a wide range of conflicting opinions. 
I mean, <clears throat> try being a police officer sometime and interviewing witnesses to a single event. Everybody you talk to is going to have a different story. Yet, the Bible covers hundreds of controversial subjects by many different writers, and the entire book agrees. Now, me personally, I, I, I have talked to unsafe people that try to give me the argument, well, it's blah, 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 blah. You, you know what? How can you look at this book and tell me it's not the Word of God? It's, it's irrational. Especially if they don't know uh, there can only be one reason for this, and that is that, that, that the Bible was authored, well, it has just one author, and that's God. The, the, the only explanation. So, <clears throat> the net, this next section is kind of an exciting part to me. I, I love this part. Uh, God has preserved the Bible. So, uh, we know that God uh, uh, moved human penmen to write the words of the Bible, but the, that, that leads to question, to a question. How do we know that these words are preserved for us today? Okay, what, what he's, the, the author of this, the, the, the study is saying is, look, okay, all right, we know that when the words were written, that they were inspired or God-breathed. Right? We know that. But how do we know that they are as accurate today as they were 2,000 years ago? Well, okay. Okay. Well, <clears throat> yes, but we call it preservation. Okay? We call it preservation. So, how do we know that the Word of God is as accurate today as it was then? And it's, it is through preservation. So, the, your next blank here. God promised to preserve His Word. God promised to preserve His Word. Turn over to Psalm chapter <laughs> okay, Psalm chapter 12 uh, in verse 6. The word of God, uh, excuse me, the word of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. So, what is the promise here? God promised to preserve them, not just to the next generation, but for how long? Forever. So that means, when we get to heaven someday, guess where the, the, the Word of God will be? In heaven. So, the promise of God. Turn over to Psalm chapter 119. 
verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. You know, if you if you believe this literally, okay? Yes. 119.89 Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. So, let me ask you a question. Does that mean that from the time it was authored in the lives of the 40 different people that from that time forward to eternity, the Word of God is going to be there. That's not what it, that's not what it means. It says forever. So that means the Word of God was in existence before it goes backwards and forwards. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Isn't that cool? Um, Psalm 119, 152. Considering thy testimonies, I have known of old that thou hast uh, uh, founded them forever. 160. Thy word is truth from the beginning and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. God's word has existed forever. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. If you continue reading here next to Isaiah, it says, interestingly, the Apostle Paul quoted from this very passage in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 25. It's, It's an exact quote. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. That's an amazing thought. Turn over to Matthew chapter 24. And we're not going to finish tonight. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 24, verse 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. See, we can, we can believe that God's word is applicable today as it was 2,000 years ago as it was 3,000 years ago 
because he has promised to preserve it. And I can have the confidence that I can hold this book and I can, I can share the gospel with someone today and say, God wants to save your soul and he will. I can have the same confidence today that Paul had 2,000 years ago. Because it's the word of God. And he has promised to preserve it. Next blank. God tells us the process by which he has preserved his word. There's a process. God specifically told people to write his word. And this is, this is well, we, we have a little bit of time. Y'all want, y'all want to keep going? Okay, all right. All right. God specifically told people to write his word. Uh, Exodus. Turn over to Exodus chapter 17. If you don't know where Exodus is, go to the front of the Bible and hang right. 17. Exodus chapter 17. Oh, the verses are here in the book. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I wasn't, wasn't even paying attention. <clears throat> and the Lord said unto Moses, oh, uh, 14, excuse me. Exodus 17, 14. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. Isaiah chapter 8 in verse 1. Moreover, the Lord said unto me, Take thee a great roll and write in it with a man's pen concerning, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Bubba. (laughs) Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 8. Now go, write it before them in a tablet and note it in a book that it may be for a time to come forever and ever. Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 2. Thus speaketh the Lord God of Israel, saying, Write thee all the words that I have spoken unto thee in a book. Habakkuk. That's not hiccup. Habakkuk. Chapter 2, verse 2. And the Lord answered me and said, Write this vision, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. Okay? So we have uh, one of the methods that God preserved the word is to have, have men write the word. Another way that God has preserved the word is your next blank here. God specifically told people to copy his word. Now, I want to say this. You had, you had scribes uh, in the Old Testament. Y- y'all ever heard the word scribes? Okay. What, what was their job? 
to, to write, to, to copy the Word of God. Now, when a scribe was writing the Word of God in the, 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 to the Jews, even to this day, they will not, they will not say the name of God. It, it is... It is um, yeah, but it, it, um, um, it's sacred. Okay, the name of God is sacred to the Jews. They won't. They won't say it. They won't write it. Or, or excuse me, they 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 have to write it because it's in the book. But what they would do is as they, as they were writing the word of God onto a new tablet, and they got to the name of God. They would stop. They would go take a bath. They would come back and they would write the name of God. They would put their pen down and they would go and bathe again. That's how serious they took as their jobs as scribes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that, and it, it was sacred. That's why when Moses, when God sent Moses to Egypt, he said, "Who, who do I say that you know they're going to ask?" And he said, "What? What did he say? I am that I am." So. God specifically told people to copy the Word of God. And here we are given two examples. The first one is fathers. Fathers. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 7 to 9, it says, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest it by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and thou shalt be uh, frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them, get this, and thou, thou shalt write them upon the posts of thine house and, and on thy gates. It was the Father's responsibility to rewrite the Word of God for his family. Can you imagine what our country would look like today if every Christian father wrote the Word of God? What an incredible thought. If every Christian father took every... See, what, what is the context of this, this passage in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6? The context here is that literally you as a parent should take every opportunity to hammer your kids with the truth of the Word of God. Yeah. Yeah. Period. 
when thou sittest in thy seat, when thou risest up, when thou layest in thy bed, uh, uh, I mean, you, you know, when thou walkest in the way, when thou liest down, when thou sittest up. In other words, every opportunity you have to show the love and the glory of God in your children's lives, you should take that advantage. Even when they don't want to hear it. I can't tell you how many times I would hear my wife uh, uh, with the, with, when the kids were little, they would say something to the effect of, oh, aren't those flowers pretty? Well, you know, sweetie, God made those flowers and he made those flowers just for you. When the kids got a little older, <clears throat> especially, well, I won't tell you which one, um, uh, but she would always go, yeah, mom. <laughs> She would, she would always say, yeah, yeah, mom, I know, I know. God made it just for me. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I won't tell you which one. Tim would just roll his eyes. He wouldn't say anything. He'd just roll his eyes. Yeah, that's, <clears throat> that's all we have, just a boy and a girl. Um, but that's what this verse says. Everything, everything. You, you, you can find God everywhere. And it's our job as parents to make sure that they understand. Okay, we're going to stop there. <clears throat> yes, you have a, yeah, you have a couple minutes too. So.